welcome back to our Life Group Leadership Lounge. Uh, I am uh, here with our normal co-hosts. We got Brayden and Raquel here, and we are joined by my good friend Gordon DeBeaver here. Um, as usual, Life Group Leaders Lounge is all about equipping you and inspiring you to be the best Christ-centered leader you can be. And today's topic, we're going to jump into a specialty of uh, Gordon's here, of shepherding and caring for people when they're going through times of need, in times of trial, really difficult times. So I want to give a little bit of the bona fides on uh, Gordon. Gordon has been a pastor for in some pastoral role for at least 20 years now, mm-hmm. was a pastor at Horizon Christian Fellowship for 13 years, and then uh, has been a chaplain at UCSD Medical Center for six years now, right? Yeah. Six years. Yeah. So, um, Gordon, why don't you just tell us briefly kind of a little about what your role is and uh, how it kind of speaks to our topic today. Sure. Well, um, my role as a chaplain is uh, coming in and you're uh, meeting with people who uh, whose illness is creating emotional, spiritual distress. And uh, you can have that, I mean, even in a group scenario, in a life group, someone's eventually going to, you know, encounter some difficulty. And um, my job really is kind of described as providing spiritual care, right, for those uh, who are in time of need. And so uh, one of the challenges, of course, when you're a chaplain is you have to build a bridge right away with people and uh, make a connection with them. And that's probably one of the biggest uh, challenges of all. It's always kind of nerve-wracking. You know, every time you come to a room, it's like, what, what are the people going to be expecting of me? And yeah. uh, how, are, how am I going to be perceived? And am I going to be able uh, to build that bridge? So, uh, you know, in a scenario coming into a room, uh, I think tone of voice is always important for me. And just, you know, being um, having an appropriate... Uh, introduction. And this may even apply in life groups. But one of the things I do is is when I knock and I introduce myself, um, although maybe a little different in life groups, because you're going to be familiar with the people that are in there. But yeah. um, I think there's kind of a principle in knocking and, and then saying who I am and sort of asking permission before I come in the room and, and giving it out. Oh, that's uh, nice. So, you know, I'll yeah. say, hey, this is Gordon, and I'm the chaplain here on staff. And I I'm on the floor here today, and I'm just coming by to check on you if it's an okay time. You want to give, uh, you know, I always want to make sure people have the liberty to, to let me go or cut me loose, and I don't want to feel guilty about it. Yeah. So tone is uh, an important part of that. But uh, coming in, I just, usually it's just an open-ended question of, well, you know, how are things coming along for you today? And uh, always sort of incorporating the present, because it could have been different yesterday or tomorrow, and and then I think just being open with people and being honest with them and, and um, is really important. And, and, you know, how is today different than it was yesterday? Or um, how do you feel like things are progressing or any news, right? And you just start with an open-ended question. And um, I think that would work even in, in a life groups, even if you, you know, know and you're familiar with the person. It's just, you know, hey, how are you coming along today? And, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and is that the bridge that you're talking about? That's the first step that you do is you create that bridge. Yes. By asking that open-ended question. Yeah. And and then what? Yes. Well, then you listen. And yeah. uh, I, it should be stated that, you know, one of the advantages we have is that we have the spirit of the Lord in us, right? All of you life group leaders have the spirit of the Lord. And the scriptures tell us that God has fashioned their hearts. That is all of us, all of humankind. He's fashion their hearts individually. 
And so uh, when you're listening, uh, you actually kind of want to clear the slate in your mind, uh, you know, about what you think you might want to say or mm -hmm. an agenda. And you want to yeah. just listen and, and let the Lord minister to your heart, you know, trusting that he's brought the two of you together and he wants to use you as a servant and as a leader to minister to the person. So I know that may be a little bit challenging, but after the open-ended question, I just sit back and I really listen carefully to to the thing that's bothering them. And you that's listen kind to of, them and you're listening to the Lord at the same time. Yes. We need to write this down. <laughs> no, really. It's you, yeah. You, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to rewatch this over and over. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you really sort of uh, hit the nail on the head with that because I would tell, for example, my wife when I came home, I'm exhausted, I'm drained because I have one ear to heaven listening carefully and mm. one ear to the person and I have to have 100% on both. Good point. And, yeah. and there has to be, and that's why it's important to kind of clear that that agenda you might be having of like, okay, mm. I'm going to quote them this scripture or, you know, I think I know what might be going yeah. on. You want to get rid of that. And that's our instinct, I think. Yeah. Human instinct. We immediately want to jump to like our plan well, and how we're going to fix. Yeah. And as, as a leader, like as a life group leader, you know, these people are coming to your group, as Gordon mentioned, you either, you either know them really well or maybe they're new to your group. And they come in and your immediate desire is like, okay, I'm a leader. Like I'm supposed to have answers. Like I'm supposed to pastor you. Like I, I should, I should know what to do here. So there is this instinct to like, yeah. I want to jump in and say something and help. And, um, and so Gordon, I think that's a good question of like, like how, how do you, um, how can I say this? Like, when did you learn that you don't have the answer necessarily to what they're going through, that you aren't the one that's going to come in and save them from whatever they're feeling and experiencing. When did you learn that? Yeah, that really came early on in chaplaincy, and it comes from how we're trained, actually, as chaplains. And so how I would translate that to make it pertinent now is listen now to what I'm sharing with you. This is the training, is that uh, you know you may not be the chosen vessel to fix what's going on there, you're the chosen vessel to come alongside and care for them. Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about this analogy, right? You talked about the, the buoy and, you know, when someone's experiencing grief or they're going through a trial, you know, that, um, you know, they're in the river and we may not have the resources or, or ability to pull them out of the river, but we can be like a buoy yeah. uh, to be with them. And uh, I just kind of jokingly said, yeah, and the buoy doesn't talk. The buoy's yeah. there for them to hold on to. And uh, this is kind of, I think, a good principle is, is be the buoy for them. Let them hold on. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're just going to travel with them. And uh, you, the, the buoy represents flotation through the trial, through the grief, through the difficulty. And, uh, and that's more important than, you know, a loudspeaker from the side of the shore, you know, swim quickly to the right, get over to the rock. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's better to be with them as the buoy than to and be a mouthpiece. If you could drag them out of the river, you shouldn't anyway, because that's their process, right? Or um, in certain respects, yeah, it's important to be mindful uh, of the fact that uh, grief and difficulty, uh, it, the, the trial that they're in, you know, the Lord is the one who delivers them out of it. And so we want to be careful at trying to, uh, you know, stop or fix the grief. You know, grief is yes. an important process that people go through. And I know that Paul wrote in his epistle, uh, 
can't remember the book, but uh, uh, you can certainly find it. But he, he, he was writing a prayer of his and exhort, exhortation to the church in this way, saying that I might know him and the fellowship of his suffering. Philippians 3. And, yes. And I thought, so, so that's a prayer. I want to know the fellowship, have this intimate connection and experience of his suffering. I mean, who prays that? Right. Yeah. Um, but what we realize is that um, that grief being in the river, floating down in the river, um, sometimes that's God's way of drawing people closer to knowing him mm. and a part of him that we wouldn't choose to know otherwise, that in the long run has incredible value to the suffering and to the grief that's in their life. So you have to be sensitive to letting the Lord be with them. They're, they're, the Lord is in his spirit is the essence of the comfort that they're really finding. Yeah. He's just invited you along yeah. uh, mm-hmm. to be part of that. That's so, so Gordon, uh, when we were talking about that illustration of grief being like this river and some people drown in it, and that's why it's so important to be like a buoy for them. Uh, one thing you were mentioning too, and I've appreciated this, is scriptures like that anchor um, for them. And I would love for you to share a little bit more about how scripture serves as an anchor for people during times of grief. Yeah. Uh, you bring up a great point. And sometimes I think it's important to communicate to people as you're sharing scripture that they don't receive it as your go-to or even flippancy or perceive, perceive it as your nervousness. So you're just trying to give them scripture. I will often even explain, hey, I want to share a few things with you that you already know. Mm. Uh, but I say this mm-hmm. so that when I'm not here or you're leaving or you know, you're back at home, I, I want this to be an anchor for you. And what does an anchor do? It, it holds the ship in place, right, during a storm. Uh, so the ship doesn't get just blown out to sea or taken away. Mm-hmm. The ship still takes on the brunt of the storm and the beatings of the storm and the waves. Um, but uh, the scriptures become an anchor to hold you in place until the storm passes. And so so a lot of times I think it's very important as your w- scriptures are coming to mind, uh, I would often communicate to them, listen, I'm not trying to, this isn't to take away because I can't really take away a, a natural process that God's going to allow you to go through with the pain of the grief or the, the trial or the difficulty. But I want to exhort or encourage you and, and, and to remember these because these are what will hold you in place. You know, these are your foundations that keep you there. They're the anchor. And, and so then I'll share some scriptures with them, always being observant how they're receiving it. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to just yeah. be observant. And uh, so s- scriptures I'll often present in that way, even using it verbally that, that I want this to be an anchor. It's not to try to take away the pain. Right. I can't do that, you know, mm. necessarily, but I'm here for you. And, and these will help you in the long run. And that becomes important in a chaplain setting because I'm going to leave the room and I want to leave them mm. with something for them to hang on to. Uh, and that's why that I think is important. Uh, Gordon, question yeah. for you. What, what would you say to a, a life group leader? Maybe they're new to being a life group leader um, or maybe they've been doing it for a while, but, you know, they, maybe they don't feel equipped to handle you know, someone's grief, you know, or like they don't, they get intimidated by the thought of like, well, what, what would I say if someone comes up and tells me, you know, um, they just got a diagnosis of something that's really hard, or I've been feeling really depressed and I don't know what to do, or, you know, like I just lost my job, but that, that feeling of like, 
I don't know what to do in those kinds of situations, you know, as a leader. Like, how would you encourage a leader that maybe feels intimidated by even approaching this idea of caring for someone, shepherding someone when they're going through something like that? Yeah, one of the things that I have found uh, really beneficial uh, in talking with people, whether it be a life group uh, environment or even the hospital environment, is um, I'll keep I'll keep asking questions that allow them to uh, discover their resources. So I'll say something to the effect of like, well, how, how have you been handling it? Uh, how, are you, how are you getting through it? Uh, what do you feel is, is the most difficult aspects of this? Um, and, and what do you usually do for, for resources? How do you, uh, what do you pull from the most? Really be honest with me about about how you cope with difficulties. Are you tempted to, to go off and, and you know, mm. do something that you shouldn't do? Or do you really do find comfort in the scriptures? Or, or what's the tendency? And then uh, I was in a scenario the other day and uh, the person didn't have any spiritual background. They even told me, because I usually do an assessment. There's no, I'm not spiritual. I had a good upbringing. My parents were great, but no church, no God, no spiritual upbringing. And I'm just full of anxiety. And I just said, well, um, I said, have you ever taken time just to, to think through and, and ask where that anxiety has come from? Let's, can we do that now? Let's, what's really, let's search. Let's, what, what do you feel is the most difficult thing? And it, I was just there to listen. And so to become equipped, you may not be equipped to fix anything, but you can always be there mm-hmm. um, showing and allowing them to discover, you know, what's the important coping mechanism that yeah, they have, what awesome. do they hold on to? And, and that'll really help you get to know them. And just that curiosity that's authentic yeah. uh-huh. will demonstrate care. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. It seems like we're like helping them, and I've heard this from someone else before, that we're helping them be inquisitive or even curious about the grief or the anxiety, giving them permission to feel what they're feeling in yeah. a sense, instead of saying brush it over. And so when you are asking them to become inquisitive, you're giving them the freedom to say, oh my gosh, like I'm allowed to feel this way. The space to that, that's a, I feel like that's a really important uh, validation, which is something you've talked about with us before too. And something else you said uh, that stuck out to me when we spoke previously is uh, kind of the knowing the difference of when to ask questions and knowing when to just be present. And that's I would love question. for you to share some mm-hmm. wisdom on when to know which to, to lean into. Yeah, one of the most uh, challenging areas of our lives when we're caring for other people, um, and I've noticed this as I was um, talking about some interns that would come alongside, you know, we tend to get very nervous or anxious when someone's struggling and there's the moment of silence. Like, okay, I've got to fill this in somehow. They're, they're expecting something from me. Yeah. Uh, the important thing is to um, always... Um, capture that moment and say, and and look at their facial expressions. I think that's the biggest. And if you observe that they're processing, let them give them space to process. Uh, you know, you could be there for. I've sat there for thirty seconds, which seems like forever. Yeah, absolutely. Even sometimes a minute, <laughs> and just totally relaxed and content because I can see they're processing things through, and uh, and and then they'll come back and they'll start expressing more. Well. You know, and another thing that's bothering me, and they just, and so all of a sudden you realize, okay, they're, you're, you're establishing that I have no agenda except I'm authentically being your buoy with oh, you right well, now. Yeah. I'm just, you mm-hmm. just hold on to me. I'm just going to listen and, and share. And, and 
sometimes it's I, I will ask another question. I, it's usually something simple. What else? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. I like the silence yeah, is like with, sacred in those moments. Too, you do that right? yeah. at home with your wife too. Yeah. I know my husband does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, with the wife, it's more challenging. It's usually a three-minute pause because you have to sort of uh, rewire your brain actively with yeah. her comments to figure out what is she really saying oh, and uh, how does that impact me? You're more emotionally involved, yes. so. So yeah, be careful about the long silence if you're a spouse, okay? That's, yeah. that's not always, you, you want to think quick, answer correctly with compassion and grace, okay? Now, yes. and, and then when you figure that out, send me an email on how you accomplish that, because yeah. I still don't have it. Maybe 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's awesome. Wait, any other questions we want to... I had one more uh, for a moment, too. I know you're going back to the anchor passages. Uh, are there any key passages that you draw from consistently? And I, I know all scripture can speak to a variety of situations, but are there any that you find yourself consistently going to? Some of the scriptures, especially in times of death or grief, is I just, I always seem to resort to some of the Psalms I, I talk about. You know, um, the Bible tells us that uh, in the presence, in, can't remember the Psalm, but um, the Psalms tells us that you, O oh God, will show us the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasures forevermore. And I'll, so I'll, I'll say that to a group, a family, and say, listen, uh, this is something that you all have as a heritage, in, as a Christian family. You have that as a heritage, and that's going to be where your loved one is going to immediately be present with the Lord, and uh, he's going to be experiencing, or she'll be experiencing fullness of joy, and at the right hand, pleasures forevermore. And then I said, St. John, you know, I use St. John a lot with the Catholic people. Um, he, he had a glimpse of heaven and wrote it down, and the angel insisted he write it down for our comfort. And it says that in heaven there was no more pain, there was no more sorrows, death was no longer there. Um, Jesus destroys death, and uh, he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes, and the former things will be remembered no more. I said, this may seem like an end, and, and it is an end in this life, but there will be a day that will be united with your loved one again and in, in seeing them in all the glory in which God designed them for all eternity and the former things. This, this, this struggle, this pain, and all the suffering you've all felt, there will be a day when it is no more, and this is the hope we have in Christ. Uh, we, this is your hope that you have in your heritage, and I just want to remind you of that because I'm going to be leaving pretty soon, and I just... God is going to comfort you through your grief. He's going to help you. But I want you to know that, that this is an important scripture for you to hang on to. It's God's promise, not even my own. It's, so and it's for all That's of good. you. That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, well, Gordon, I feel like we just got like a fire hydrant of wisdom and insights yes, in like yeah. 10 minutes here. So we I appreciate know. you coming on with us. Can I, can I add one more thing? This yes. is just yes. a real, this is an experience when I was a young Christian and I was going through a heavy trial and I was part of a life group, but I was just a participant, right? And it happened twice. And I remember um, in the trial, I just so badly wanted, um, in, the, in the first trial, it had to do with getting out of drugs, right? And so I came to the group and I just said, hey, you know, I've been struggling, smoking pot and I just... I just, I want to get out of it, but I don't have really good reason to, but I have conviction now and I want to get out of there. And you know what they did? They just, they fully just said, let me pray for you. 
and, and part of that frustrated me because it's like, no, I want you to do more. <laughs> and, and they would, but they would pray for me. And then they would just say, hey, we'll see you next week. Nothing changed on their countenance, on their face. They prayed for me. And uh, I had another encounter a little later on, another real difficult, it was a spiritual, uh, I was experiencing some real weird spiritual manifestations uh, as a young Christian. I think God was um, trying to establish my um, understanding of the authority he had given me, you know? Yeah. And um, and I just pray. I asked this guy, I said, I just really, man, I'm having this terrible time at home. Maybe you can come by the house. And he's like, brother, let me show you three scriptures and I'm gonna pray for you. And I remember being kind of frustrated again, you know, that, that man, nobody's really, you know, helping me the way I want to be helped. But you mm-hmm. know what? It turns out that was the best thing because um, neither of them were willing to cross the boundary at replacing what only Christ was able to do for me in those times. Yeah. And so remember, there's going to be things that Christ may be wanting to do. And now I look back, I'm like, what great disciples they were. They, they, they didn't overdo it they just they believed in their prayers for sure and the power of prayer it was sincere um but but they wouldn't give in to what i wanted and um that became an important part of me later in my life as a christian realizing across the board you know um, only christ can really be a deliverer he's really the only one he only invites us in uh whether it's a life group and someone experienced grief he's he's a he's a pointed jew and anointed jew is to, to be his representative and shepherd and to be his minister right of peace and comfort and care but uh, ultimately you know the lord is the one that that's going to do it and that should sort of be at the heart of all your approaches yeah. that that you're trying mm-hmm. to do with with people in your in your um in your home groups that's awesome yeah absolutely. i feel like that encouraged me because it takes the pressure off of me that I like, was gonna say i've got to be pressure, you know yeah. I have to be the one that has the answers or I'm going to fix the situation or whatever. And it's like, no, like you said, like we, we become a vessel for God to use us mm-hmm. and we find it, it's a privilege for God to use us, you know, to be a leader in someone's life and care for them. But ultimately we just want to move out of the way and let the Lord do his work in, in their life. Mm-hmm. So, and, mm-hmm. and you don't want people to uh, cling to you, to drown you. Mm-hmm. In, in their grief and sorrow, right? Good point. So you have to be, um, that's why it's important that, that your approach is to be gracious and good, but not to get uh, intertwined in the sense that, that they're going to drag you down. You're always you, decentering you know. towards scripture, it seems like. And like, as that's their anchor, you're always decentering it towards the Lord. Like, yeah. He's your presence, He's your He's your comfort. Yes. Decentering it. Always. That's good. Absolutely. Well, guys, I think that's good for today. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you for joining us again in our Life Group Leaders Lounge. We're glad you're here. And um, yeah, Pastor Gordon, thank you for being with us today. It's you're big, welcome. Big mm-hmm. blessing, big blessing. So uh, again, we look forward to seeing you guys next week in our next podcast. And make sure you uh, check us out um, at any of our additional information at newbreak.church backslash courses, where we have some great content for you. Mm-hmm. And then don't forget about our leadership training coming up on Sunday, April 11th at one o'clock at Tier Santa. Yep. Uh, make sure you sign up online. Thanks so much. God bless you.